0: Good morning, New Hope. It's good to see you. I've got some great news to share with you, family. Um, Joshua and Joanna and Kaya, would you like to stand? And would you actually come on around here? Let's put our hands together for Joshua and Joanna and Kaya. This wonderful new family are coming on board to join us at the church as our children and families pastors. So they'll be here for more from May 1st, but they'll be with us every week. And we'll we'll give an interview next week. But I want you to just warmly welcome this beautiful family. Look at this gorgeous baby. So next week, we're going to do a little bit of an interview with them both. Um, on, on the platform, actually, Kaya might as well join us because she 's such a placid, beautiful baby. <laughs> she was at our place for nearly a couple, two or three hours we didn't hear boo from them. So please make sure you welcome them and tell your friends who are away for the holidays they're here and ready for action. God bless you guys, and thank you so much. Good luck for seeing you Okay. Yes, so beautiful. <laughs> thank you so much. OK. Marty, that was a great great bunch of notices. That's exactly where I'm going. Today, we're going to look at four simple words. Just four simple words from the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20, verse 13. You shall not murder. Now, some of you today are thinking, well, I could have probably skipped this one. (laughs) I haven't planned to murder anybody lately. You know, I don't get that urge too often. Maybe on the freeway when somebody cuts me off. Get that. I hear that. Your blood pressure goes up. But here's the deal. I just want to back up into this. A survey of broadcasting in New Zealand. Here are the facts. There are 481,800 episodes of violence being screened on TV that your kids, your grandkids are being exposed to each year in New Zealand. Even children's cartoons contain an average of 18.7 episodes of violence per hour. New Zealanders are being exposed to some of the highest levels of TV violence in the world, second only to the USA, then Japan. Now the words, you shall not... Murder seem very straightforward, but they're often misunderstood and misapplied. So this morning, I want to clarify this from the scriptures, and I'm going to apply it to our family. So hold on. This morning, I'm going to look at what this does not mean, because some of you are confused about that, and I'm going to look at what it does mean. So three things, first of all, this does not mean. What this command is not about. The first one, it is not about the prohibition of killing animals. It is not about that. The Bible is very clear about the difference between human life and animal life. We are special humans. Animals are a different category in the scriptures. Never equate the two because you can see where the logic goes. We are special in God's creation. God even commanded in the Old Testament that animals be sacrificed. And God never contradicts himself. So here's a rule. If you ever come across an unclear passage that you're not sure about, you always interpret an unclear passage with a clear one. Okay? That way you won't get in trouble. Now the Bible says this, Everything that lives and moves will be food for you. Just as I gave the green plants, now I give you everything. So in other words, you don't have to be a vegetarian if you don't want to be. And all the men said, (laughs) thank God for burger bugger. (laughs) It's okay to eat animals for meat. It's okay. So that means also after church, you can go out and enjoy a steak if you want to. Second thing, it is not about, now this is real clear, it is not about prohibiting capital punishment. Many times in the Bible, God commands capital punishment. I know it's not politically correct, but you you guys who are my family know, I'm not interested in being politically correct. I'm interested in being biblically correct. It is not prohibiting capital punishment. For certain crimes, he says, that is worthy of the death penalty. You go read that. If you don't agree with it, you better cut out your Bible and talk to God, because he wrote it. says anyone who commits murder shall be put to death the principle is this a life for a life the bible also says something very interesting i want you to reflect on this as we're going through this where the laws are weak the people run unrestrained where the laws are weak another verse says where justice is delayed So if you do something and it takes you 20 years to be convicted because of appeal after appeal after appeal, it's a a mockery of the system. Anyone who commits murder shall be put to death. The principle is a life for life. Now this is very clear. God says that there are some things, some things like murder, that demand a a death penalty. And so to maintain order in our society, God has delegated some authority to governments. The Bible says that God allows human governments to be set up to maintain law and order and to punish wrongdoers, including capital punishment. Notice this verse. The government is there to serve God for your benefit. They carry out God's revenge by punishing wrongdoers. And I love the um, NIV version. It says they are agents of justice. God is a God of justice. By the way, there is no perfect government in the world, like there's no perfect person. No one is right in everything they do. But God does want justice in our homes, in our governments, and in this world. Now the third thing it is not prohibiting, which again, some on the liberal fringe get confused about. It is not prohibiting going to war. I got a message some time ago when my country went into the Gulf War. And to fight. There is, I did the message, it was called, um, When is it right to fight? There are times when you have to stand up and be counted. Some people have got this crazy notion, well, I just, you know, leave it all to God. Well, actually God, sometimes you get rid of it. Sometimes Jesus even said, go buy a sword. You read that. Sometimes he says, don't take a sword. Sometimes he says, do. What was it for? It wasn't for having a shave. All right. The the point is this, there are some things worth dying for. One of those, and I've given the illustration many times, is somebody came into my house and was after my wife and the family, they're going to have to go through me. And let me tell you, they're going to die before my family do. My part of my job as a husband is a protector and a father, a protector. Anybody that says, "Now I'll lie down and come and take them out, you're mad on the authority of God's word. You stand up and protect your own family. You provide for them, protection. Even if that is giving your life for them, you give it. Because that is your God-given responsibility. Pretty strong, eh? There are some things worth fighting for. Some things like to preserve freedom. Imagine, I don't know, ISIS, something coming onto our shores. There's no way I'll be out there with the rest of them. Defending for our children and women. Preserving our freedom. There's a right to fight to defend the innocent innocent people. People who can't help themselves. Don't walk away and say, none of my business. Seem to remember a parable about that. Something about a Samaritan and a good one. He didn't just walk on by all the other guys did, all the religious guys did, but this guy didn't. He stopped. And it's worth fighting to stop the spread of evil. Now there's a very well-known but highly misquoted, the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is that for good men to do nothing. By the way, it wasn't Edmund Burke who said that. For those of you OCD, you can go check that out. Maybe you're wondering how in the world does do not murder apply to my family? Because I don't have any murders in my family. There's a particular relation I'd like to kill. I get that. But here it goes. How does this, because this is on strengthening families, right? So let's take a look at this. How does this command apply to my family? Well, when you think about it, the very first murder happened in a family. Cain killed his brother. And today I observe that most violent crimes occur between family members. Sad. So what is God saying when he says, don't murder? How does this relate to my family? Well, here's the deal. If you're a Christian, you will stand for life. I am the way, the truth, and the... I'm, so, so God is the author of, the enemy comes to, to what? Kill. So if you're a Christian, you will stand for life. You'll value the sanctity of life because that's what God does. And we're His ambassadors, if he values this, we value life. Jesus values life. That means that every single life is precious. This is a very close to home for Kimberly and I. Many of you know we have a little granddaughter who has a ischemic, and (H.I.P.E.). Her brain is totally stuffed, totally brain damaged. The world would say her life is not worth living; get rid of her. They have said that. In some countries now, they're taking out all Down syndromes. They don't. They don't allow those conceptions to continue. There will be none left. Let me tell you, my son and my daughter would love a Down syndrome baby because it is so far advanced compared to Little Olympia. It's expensive, it's hard, it's 24 hours, but it is life and God allowed it. And she's not just a body, she is a spirit. As I said to my son, as I looked him in the eye one day, I said, Stevie, I don't know why this has ever happened. But one thing I do know is she's done nothing wrong. And one day we will see her in heaven. And even though she can't interact all right now, her spirit's in there. And she'll be grown up and she'll be perfect. And I just want to love her as much, and Kimberly and as much as we can, because one day we'll see her. Don't be fooled by this outward packaging. She's more than just a bunch of atoms. She is a precious spirit to God. In today's culture, it's not a popular opinion that all life is valuable, but it is the truth because God says it. And God says this. There's an implication. If he says it, we need to speak up for that. The sanctity of life because every life is valuable. From the moment... That God planned you in his mind, which was before you were even conceived, until your last breath. Therefore, God says three no's. No to three things. The first thing he says no to is no to suicide. No to suicide. How many people in New Zealand committed suicide last year? Can I take some answers? I agree. How many? Can you be a bit more specific? <laughs> oh, he's close. 606. 606 people. That is one person every 15 hours. Now, where, what, this, this is very sad. Kimberly and I have been to some funerals we wish we would never been to this year. One was a 26-year-old girl close to our family. Another one, as you may know, was a mid aged doctor with three children. This is no respecter of persons. More women attempt, more men succeed. Do you know what? It is getting worse. It's been bad for years, but last year was our worst in history. We're the highest in the OECD, double the number of road deaths. Yet how much time do we spend on that compared to this? People have got this idea, well it's my life, I can do with it what I want and I can take it. God says, no you didn't. I gave you life and only I have the right to take it away. Don't do that. You don't actually own your own life, you were given it as a gift. The Bible says, we are not our own bosses to live and die as we ourselves might choose. In other words, you are not your own, you are bought with a price. Don't throw that gift away and trample it under feet. The Bible says in Job, it says the length of a man's life is decided beforehand. That's incredible. The the length of a man's life is decided beforehand. The number of months he will live, you, God, have settled it. So God says, I've decided those number of days, don't short-circuit it. Now let me just say this. Most of us in this room have felt despair at some stage yeah real despair like is life worth living you know life is ridiculously hard right now and if you've considered or are considering suicide i want to say this to you there is hope if you have hope then you can cope the moment you lose this hope you will not cope But my hope has a name. Our hope has a name. And his name is Jesus. You matter to God. And God made you for a purpose. And he cares about you. And he will help you out of your despair. I have been there. You may not think that today. How would you know what I'm going through? One day you should have a coffee with me. I've been there. Those thoughts have gone through my mind. You know what i found, though? You can go down to Eastern Beach and you can walk up and down there. And when the tide out, tide's out, there's a whole bunch of driftwood and it doesn't look so good. It actually looks a little ugly. But one thing I've noticed, if I hold on, the tide will come back in. If the tide's out in your life now and it looks real bleak and it looks very unattractive, Hang on, because the tide always comes back in. One of my favorite verses is, this too shall come to pass. (laughs) It'll move. So if you have thoughts that your life is not worth worth living, there are people in this church who care about you, who are willing to talk with you and help you through that season, if you will let us know. So we can help you through that darkness and that time, where the sun will again shine. And God, remember, has a purpose for your life. So the first thing, he says no to suicide. The second thing he says no to is euthanasia. You may have heard a lot about this in the news recently. And what does that really mean? By the way, it is a very slippery slope. If anybody tries to persuade you it's okay and there are reasons... My wife and I have spent quite a lot of time looking at this because there's a lot of seductive arguments. Be very, 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 very careful. It is an extremely slippery slope. This means, euthanasia means causing the death, actively causing the death of somebody because it's inconvenient. One thing. Don't want to look after my mum anymore. She's using all our inheritance up. Let's just get her to sign off and we're done. No hassle for me, more money in the bank. Let me tell you, that is not far from wrong. Many of you know that in Holland, this is where this epicenter of this was. They started that off and they got their liberal laws in. Do you know where the guy that started that was here in this country saying it was the biggest mistake of my life? And he's an atheist. Because what's happened is you get to things like involuntary euthanasia, tough patient, there's many ways to do that. Elliot knows what I'm talking about. Here's the kicker. When it first started off, it started off as R18. Guess what they did next? Pull that peg out. You tell me how many teenagers teenagers who think their life is not worth living with that type of law enforce. That's where it goes. This is the atheistic guy who started in Holland and said, that was the worst mistake of my life. He came here to try and persuade our government. Don't go anywhere near that. So it means causing the death of somebody because of inconvenience or deformity. They've got AIDS or you know, whatever it may be. Old age or some incurable disease. We're not talking about here, let me be clear, allowing natural causes and not artificially supporting life. We're talking about causing the death proactively because of inconvenience, because you don't think that person's life is worth living. And again, disabled newborns are being killed legally in the Netherlands and many other countries. Family First has done quite an article on that. I'll share this later. The government Right now, here in New Zealand, in our country, has already processed a record number of submissions, actually 30,411 of them, already under thousands more to go. Because people feel very strongly about that. And by the way, the majority of normal people like you and I are going, no way. No way. You can imagine some poor, vulnerable, older person. And that breaks my heart to see older people in. Rest homes, never ever being visited. We talked about that. And then they, say, they start to rationalize if they've got that door. Well, I'm just being a burden to my family. They haven't got time. They're busy with their kids. There's so many implications that I haven't got time to go into that. But Family First have done a wonderful job of presenting the facts. Familyfirst.org. Check it out. The Bible says it's God who directs our lives of his creatures. Every man's life is in his power. Only God has the right to determine when I should stop living, is my point. When people change that idea and usurp God's authority, there was years ago a man who thought he had the right to determine who would live and who wasn't worthy of living. And his name was Hitler. Third thing, God says no to abortion because we value life. God says no to abortion. The Bible says you God created every part of me. You put me together in my mother's womb when my bones were being formed. When I was growing there in secret. You knew I was there. Notice the personalization. You saw me before I was born. The days allotted to me were all recorded in your book before any of them even began. Circle in that verse there. The you's. The me's. The I's. That's a person. I've noticed something very strange here. The liberals say, oh, that's just a clump of cells of fetus. But I tell you what. If something goes wrong all of a sudden, you've lost the baby. So what happened here? We went from a clump of cells to a baby. God knows you, that verse shows you there. He knows your personality before you were even born. Friends, it is not a bunch of atoms. It's talking about a person. It's talking about you because number one, you have a soul. And that is created at the moment of conception. The Bible tells us to speak up to those, for those who cannot speak up for themselves. If anybody cannot speak up for themselves, it is the unborn. Now from a human viewpoint, oh, we can have unplanned pregnancies. Oh yeah. But there are no accidental conceptions with God. Very well, we may not have planned it. Or maybe it came even as a result of evil, which are very, 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 very few. There may be illegitimate parents, but there are no illegitimate children. God is saying, I planned you. And he knew the number of days that the baby was allotted before it was even born. And God has a plan for every one of those. Now, if all of our days were numbered before I was born, then abortion is the ultimate short-circuiting of God's plan. Now, I want to show you a few facts here. In New Zealand, there are 12,832 abortions per annum. Which means 35 a day are actively, deliberately killed. 35 a day. Imagine if we had road deaths of 35 a day, every day. 365 days a year. There'd be a a blooming national outcry. 20% of all pregnancies end in abortion. All known pregnancies. 20%. That's one in five, right? Now let me put it in perspective here. Next one. (laughs) That it in perspective. The blue is the abortions, 12,832. The road, that's 93% of that pie compared to a piddly 2% on road deaths. Now it's horrible because again, we know people are killed last, last year, year before, whatever, recently. That's horrible. But let's get this in perspective, guys. Abortions are huge. That's the correct factual perspective taken fra- straight from the stats department. In fact, this next part's going to blow you away. Since May of 1974, when what happened? In New Zealand, in Epsom. Yeah, and the Epsom abortion centre opened. Till the end of December 2017, more than 536,000 Kiwis are missing. They would be here today if they had not been aborted. And that is way more than the population, let me put that to real picture, all of Wellington, right now, plus all of Taronga combined. Gone under our watch. Did that even register on your radar? Because as Christians we stand for life, not Death. For life, it's way more than all the accidents put together, etc. And by the way, FYI, I check these facts. Ninety-eight percent of abortions do not happen because of rape or incest. So don't ever use that argument. If anybody finds out that that that's a complete red herring, most of it. Or by the way, that the life of a mother is at stake. That is a legitimate issue. Because we're for life. But 98% of them happened simply because the mother came to the conclusion it was inconvenient. She may have been pressured. And that's awful that she was pressured. Or it's not doesn't fit my lifestyle at this moment. But let me make it perfectly clear. God says that abortion is wrong. The good news is, abortion is not the unforgivable sin. That is the good news. And you and we can repent of that like any other sin, and God will forgive. Let me go back to give you some perspective on that. Did you know that the Bible that you hold in your hands was largely written by three murderers? Think about that. Who would they be? Mr. Moses. Mr. Moses, get me to defend somebody. Got a little bit carried away and smacked that Egyptian. Remember him? And then we've got David. And then we've got Paul. Who did Paul kill? Stephen. Absolutely. All three took life of another person. Yet they confessed their sin. They came to God, and they were forgiven. And then God went on and said, because you brought it to me, you've confessed your sin, I'm going to move you forward and I'm going to use you in a great way. That is the message of grace. That's the message of grace. It doesn't matter how much what's happened in the past, where you've been, but what matters is where your feet are heading and the direction you are heading today. So you matter to God and your conception and your birth were not an accident. He made you and planned you. And he wants you to know him and he wants you to know that he loves you. And he wants you in his family. When you get to know your heavenly father, what happens is your life takes on a new meaning and significance because before, your only other option was it was random, meaningless, and purposeless. That's the atheistic way of seeing this world. Because random. There is nothing, no mind behind all of this. We say that's not right. The evidence shows us that we are created for a purpose and we're finally tuned. The Bible says that we've all made mistakes, every one of us, and we've all sinned. That means me, that means you, that means everybody. We've all done things that we've regretted. But the good news is that God says he can bring good even out of bad choices. Oh boy, yeah. Even out of dumb choices, dumb decisions. God doesn't cause evil. A lot of it we bring on ourselves. A lot of it other people cause in their lives. But God does not cause evil. But I tell you what, he's the only one. The only one that can bring good out of bad. The only one. And in him is hope. If you will give him the pieces of your life. You can try and hang on and do the best you can, but ultimately you will not make that without him. He's the only one that can lastingly give your life meaning, significance, and bring beauty out of ashes. Ashes means things burnt to the ground. There's nothing left. But God specializes in bringing beauty out of ashes. If you'll give him those pieces, he will put them together and give you inner peace. Give him the pieces, and he will give you inner peace. Let's pray. Would you say to God in your mind, God, today I realize that you had me in mind before I was even born. That you had a plan for my life. That you'd numbered my days. And made me to be me. Would you say in your heart, Jesus Christ, I want to know your plan for my life. And I want to follow you from now on. Please forgive me for the wrong choices I've made. And cleanse me. Help me to forgive myself. And to feel forgiven by others. And you. I turn my life over to you today, Lord. And with your head still bowed, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, I believe God heard you. And I'd like to help you with your decision and there are people here in this church that will help you. Just let me know about it in a minute by checking the appropriate box in the back of the card and drop it in the bucket. Father, thank you that no matter how big our problems seem, You are greater than our problems. You're the only one that can bring good out of a pickle. When we give them to you, thank you that we do matter to you. In Jesus' powerful name. Amen. You know what? We're going to do something different this morning, team. I'm going to surprise you, Ben. You two rows, you back two rows. You two back two rows, two rows.